welcome back to the Talk Club podcast. And for today's episode, I'd like to welcome Maddie Kitchen from Sobriety Film. So welcome to the show, Maddie. Hello, Jay. Good to be with you here today. Yeah. No, it's good to have you join me. Um, obviously, I know you've you've been through quite a journey and you uh, you set up your sobriety film in 2017, was it, to do uh, documentaries about different sort of addictions, mental health, trauma. Um, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, where it all started. Yeah, of course. So we, um, I set up Sobriety Films UK as a CIC in October uh, 20, oh, 2019. Yeah, it was last year. So this is our first year of trading. Um, but before then, <clears throat> I've always worked as a, as a producer, director, um, I have a degree in film and, um, you know, film is what I love. So basically, yeah, Sobriety Films is a, uh, we're, so we're a non-profit and we make um, films and we do recovery film making workshops and we do screenings to uh, basically promote and raise awareness of recovery from addiction, mental ill health and trauma. So that's, that's what we do. So my story starts a long time ago. I, as a teenager, I suffered from depression and anxiety. And I had a very bad breakdown when I was 19 years old. Um, yeah, and then so from there on, um, I, I got better and then I went to uni and I started to self-medicate with alcohol um, at uni because of the anxiety. And um, yeah, so I became alcohol dependent and I was like that for about 15 years. Um, and I, it, you know, it, it started off as a way of coping with the, with the depression and anxiety and the, and the, the extreme feelings of fear. Um, you know, I had agoraphobia, panic attacks. And um, by the by, the end of my journey, I was I was on my knees, um, and I was you know truly alcohol dependent. So how old was you then, my dear? Like when you realised that you've got this problem and you need some help? I knew when I was like twenty eight that I was alcohol dependent for sure because I was I was lo I was lucky enough to be working in nightclubs so I could cover it up. So I would drink in the evening and then I would sleep all day and go out. Um, but I knew a long time before I reached recovery that I, that I was, and I just wasn't, I, I wasn't ready to put it down because I couldn't, I couldn't get out of the house without it. Um, so, you know, putting down alcohol, coming into recovery was the most important thing that I could have done for my mental health. And in uh yeah so it was 14 years ago i come in uh off a four-day bender and um i ended up in hospital and i said to the um duty psychiatrist i think i've drunk myself into a nervous breakdown and he said no he said like hold out your hand and i held out my hand and it was shaking and he said you've got alcohol withdrawal all uh, dependent and you need to have treatment um and then so the next day that was it um that was 14 years ago nearly 2nd of august and um yeah it's it's just been the most amazing journey and it's helped me so much with my mental health There's, 
you can't, in, well, in my opinion, you can't recover from depression and anxiety until you put down your addictive sub substance because, you know, obviously alcohol is a depressant and, yeah. um, you know, the next morning after a binge, I would feel suicidal and um, I couldn't get out of the house and you know, I was trapped in a nightmare. It was, um, it was a really, really horrible time. It's like a, a vicious, you get into sort of a vicious cycle. Yeah, absolutely. It's a vicious cycle. You, so I, 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 been, I was a binge drinker. So I used to drink like every other day because I couldn't drink every day because the next day I was destroyed. So it was usually, yeah, sort of um, one day in between. And, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be a lot, um, but sometimes it was. And I, you know, it's not really the amount that you drink, it's why you drink and what it does to yourself and your, your relationships with other people. Um, and I was in trouble for a long time before I, I came into recovery. How does it sort of, is it a couple of drinks a night? Is that what a binge is or is it? a binge where you, you're just going on a mad one for eight, eight or nine hours or something? Is it, is that what a binge is? Yeah. So a binge for me would be, you know, if it was like a Friday night, it would be, um, I don't know, like five or six pints and then shots and yeah, it would be a mad one. Um, and you know, drugs was, uh, drugs were part of my story as well. Um, although they're not my drug of choice, my drug of choice is alcohol. Um, yeah. But of course, that would allow me to keep drinking um, and sort of sober me up to drink more. It's interesting because my dad was an alcoholic and growing up in an alcoholic home <clears throat> definitely, definitely has affected me because my mum, my, my I'm going to start that again. So I grew up in an alcoholic home. Um, you know, my dad was alcohol dependent and he was in denial um and he never he never sought treatment he was a high functioning alcoholic and my mum has bipolar um so those were the two things that i that i grew up with and very much shaped me as a person and my experience i don't think it's a coincidence that you know that i became alcohol dependent and also suffer with mental illness there was so you, a lot of yeah no so you you think what happened when you was a childhood where you grew up your environment that sort of rub, rubbed up rubbed off on you yeah when i was growing up um you know like mental illness my mum's illness which happened after i was born she had a postpartum psychosis it was really shameful then and very stigmatized it's not like now where they kind of look after mums in mother and baby unit um, and the way that my dad coped with that was by drinking and working. He was a workaholic as well. And it was like the family secret. Um, it was all denied. Yeah. And I think, yeah. And I think the trauma around that is that if you grow up as a child in an environment where the truth isn't acknowledged, you know, like deep down that something's very wrong. I didn't understand what was wrong with my mum. Um, I thought it was my fault um, and this whole web of lies this deceit about 
you know, these, 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 these two big issues in my family, I guess kind of made me feel quite unsafe and unsure of my own feelings. Um, a lot of people I meet who are in recovery have had um, similar childhoods. And, um, you know, it's... Um... <laughs> Very soft. <laughs> so, yeah, so mm. I was just going to say, you know, when I went into 12-step recovery, I could not believe it because I sat in a meeting and I was absolutely terrified, shaking with fear, sweat dripping off me, thinking I can't do this, I can't yeah. do this. And I was listening to the men sharing in the room and they were talking about their emotions and, and like how they felt and being really honest about, you know, their relationships and their jobs and, you know, the complete opposite to my, my dad. <laughs> um, and I loved it. And I just thought, this is where I need to be. This is like where people can share their truths. And that's what recovery is all about for me is like sharing your, sharing what's going on, talking out about difficult feelings, um, is very freeing. Um, Most definitely, yeah. It. What's the um twelve like step recovery then? Like, could you explain that a little bit more for us? Yeah, sure. The twelve step recovery, um, well, initially was AA, um, set up in the nineteen thirties, and then it um, created lots of other groups. So there's NA. Um, Narcotics Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, um, Sex and Love Addiction, Overeaters Anonymous. And the 12-step program is, is, is basically 12 steps where you surrender your power and you say, I am powerless over alcohol or drugs or food, whatever the, um, the addictive substance is. Um, and then you go through these steps and it's basically a kind of cognitive restructuring and a letting go of old ways of coping. It allows you to open up about trauma and be with other people who are exactly the same as you. It's a great leveler. Um, and when I went into the 12 step fellowship, I was more ashamed of my depression actually than I was of my alcoholism. And I quickly saw that there were other people there who also had um, mental illness. And that was amazing. It was so, it was really empowering. So most, would you say, you know, most um, alcoholics obviously have other mental health issues such as depression and anxiety as well? So I've met lots of people in recovery who do have um, coexisting mental health problems and some that don't. Like some people get depressed and anxious when they're drinking and then it goes away when they're in sobriety um, and they're, they're lucky. Um, and then people like me who have, um, you know, pre-existing pre mental health um, issues that they're coping, they're using, uh, you know, the substance to, to cope with those, uh, with that illness. Um, so yeah, it's definitely without a doubt an easy, oh no shit, no, um, so the two things that I've seen in recovery, um, over the, over 14 years most is, um, trauma 
and also um, mental ill health. So those two um, factors, uh, I think, make you much more vulnerable to um, develop addiction, without a doubt. So do you think if um, we could sort of control and help people with the depression, anxiety, like earlier on in life or before it starts to escalate, that this could stop? the addictions um, sort of happening as much as, as it is? I think that um, any addiction is a chronic illness and yeah. the earlier you educate about it, the better. And, and it's the same with any mental illness um, that you kind of learn, you, you, well, I had to learn how to cope with it and to understand that this was part of me, you know, part of my, my brain um, and, yeah i think i mean just the work that's being done nowadays about you know anti-stigma and um, encouraging people to speak out about how they feel is so is, is such is such a positive thing um sorry i've dried up um if the do you know if this like society and culture was um different do you think that'd be easier for people? You know, because obviously, say, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, you know, drinking, going to the pub and, you know, especially like with men, you know, you, you go and have a pint on a Friday, Saturday or after work. Um, do you think that contrib contributes to it? And can society and our culture obviously help deal with this problem better? I think, uh, you know, culture and society can definitely help people um, with addiction um, by educating them and raising awareness and saying, you know, this happens and this can happen because you have childhood trauma that you're trying to force down or you have mental illness and you're trying to self-medicate the feelings and just saying to people, you know, it's common. It's, I mean, it's so common nowadays, especially with what's happened during lockdown and there's no shame and there are ways to get better and there is treatment for you and there is recovery. So, um, but do you know when you, you had like your depression and your obviously addiction, do you have to deal with them separately like or do you deal with it as one? Um, so I, I mean, I still have depression and anxiety on a day-to-day -day level um, and I keep it in the day. That's, you know, a great, a great thing that really helps me. Um, you know, my mood is, is so much better now. And um, uh, what should I say? Uh, um, are they, uh, hmm. So I still have fluctuations in my mood now and I can definitely get very anxious if I feel overwhelmed or stressed. I found lockdown quite difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I can get panicky if I'm out um, and, and low if, if there's some kind of, you know, like big event, like a, a bereavement, for instance. And I just I've learned that I need to keep it in the day. And when I can't keep it in the day, I keep it in the hour. Um, I get on the phone. I speak to somebody um, who I trust and I say, look, I'm feeling like this. And they just talk to me they talk me through it and and the the feelings you know die down once i'm able to express it it's definitely harder i think to maintain 
sobriety when you do have depression and anxiety, but it's absolutely not impossible. Um, You've shown that, haven't you? Like, is it 14 years now you've been sober? I have been in recovery for 14 years and I relapsed twice. So I relapsed at three years, five months because I went down into a very severe depression and I picked up one night. Um, it was desperation and I felt at the time it was either that or, you know, self-harm in some way. Yeah. So, you know, it did help me get through that, that very difficult moment. Um, and then I relapsed um, a couple of years later when it happened again into a severe depression. And this is what I'm saying about managing mental health and, and addiction is that you really, you really have to look after yourself and, you know, relapse is part of addiction. Um, I never wanted to relapse. I did. And I'm, I, you know, I'm nine years sober, so I'm back. I never left the 12 step fellowship. Um, I kept going and yeah, it's, it's definitely the best thing that I've ever done for my mental health. So it's, it's, you know, important to, you know, if you do relapse that, it's only a little a little blip in your in your journey, isn't it? And you know, these things are are gonna happen. Um and when once it you know, if it does, you just you just get back on and, you know, carry on, don't you? And and accept that's part of your, your journey. So one of the things that I think is valuable about what I have to say is that I have relapsed and I have been able to come back from it and it's not impossible. And I know the frame of mind when you relapse and the next day you think, oh my God, it's all over. I don't want to live anymore. I just can't do this. And I've yeah. been through that twice and I have managed to uh, get straight back into, in, into recovery. It's, you know, it's, it's not a path I would have chosen, but it's it's common to relapse in, with addiction, and um, that I bet that's a part. You know, that's a massive part as well, isn't it? That we need to make people aware of that it is okay. You know, if you do relapse, you know, don't beat yourself up about it too much because that it's something that it does happen. Relapse really, you know, is very common. It's very common in recovery, especially I think if you have, um, you know, mental health and, uh, sorry, let me start that again. <clears throat> so relapse um, for me really is part of recovery. And if you have mental ill health as well, it is, I, I believe it's more difficult to maintain sobriety. And, you know, also if you have big knocks like bereavements or, you know, very big cri crises in your life, um, you have to sort of get through them in the, in the anywhere, in the, sorry, when you have big crises, sorry, okay. when you, when you have big crises in your life, um, you have to get through them without picking up your substance. And I've learned to do that. I mean, I've been through breast cancer. Um, I lost my dad and my brother two years ago within six months and I, I didn't drink. Um, I didn't drink on that. Um, also my, my sister was in an accident. I didn't drink on that. I, when I relapsed, it was a 
it was because I'd plunged down into a, into a clinical depression. Um, and I knew that I quickly had to get help and, you know, be looked after because I wasn't able to look after myself. And that's what I did. So you've shown, um, you know, great strength of character there to, you know, get through them, you know, them events that have happened to you. And um, you re- as you say there, you, you sort of recognise, didn't you, that, okay, I, I'm, I'm not feeling too great here now, but I don't need to go back to, to doing that. And did you sort of find another a coping technique? What, what, what was that to help you get through them times? Or you just speaking out more to people and telling them how you feel? So, so one of the most challenging times that I've had in recovery was two years ago and I lost my dad in March and then my brother in July through uh, cancer. And I believe that the greatest gift that, re- that recovery has given me was, the, was, was to allow me to be with them um, when they passed and to, 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 to hold their hand and to be there. Um, and I think if I hadn't have been sober, I couldn't even imagine the guilt that I would have had to have, have lived with. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you go, when I've been through really, really tough times in sobriety, I've actually found it easier to n- not even think about drinking um, because I'm thinking about the other person um, and I have a, you know, I do practice the 12 step program. I have a lot of friends who support and encourage me. I also have therapy, which has been absolutely incredible um, at supporting my growth. And it's really just, you know, we are really resilient people. We don't realize the strengths we have. Um, Definitely agree. Um, yeah, you, I, I agree with that, and you've shown that yourself with the character that you, you know, that you've got through these these tough times. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. That was very <laughs> sweet of you. But I, you know, I was going to say because you're you, you you do a walking group, yeah. and something yeah, and something that's really helped me with both my addiction and um and and my mental health was um well it was horse riding first of all I oh. love horses. but also yeah also walking exercise I love um sparring you know when you have the pads yeah I love that and I really enjoy cold water swimming uh it's bit cold waters uh I have cold like obviously cold showers myself every morning and it's it is a stress relief isn't it and um it's also that the mental battle of you're doing something that you, you feel uncomfortable with but say at the start of the day you know in the morning so you're break, breaking up a bit yeah absolutely I mean when I had my two bereavements a couple of years ago the thing that really helped me through was going cold water swimming every morning at the local Lido like all through the winter <laughs> it, it went down to I think it was minus one wow <laughs> You're not in there for long, but it's the best antidepressant, I tell you. Yeah, I, to- I totally agree. And uh, if you don't, if, you don't, if the listeners don't fancy uh, going cold water swimming and a co- cold water shower is uh, 
is a good start, isn't it? <laughs> and I think also, you know, when when I'm feeling vulnerable or when I'm feeling very stressed, like I can get quite overwhelmed with work. Um, and uh, you know, something that really helps me is to just go and yeah, walk. Um, I'm lucky enough to live near um, the Heath in London. Um, so I just go out there and I just walk around and it's, you know, I totally understand why you guys do your walking. Yeah, and it, it's just connect, connecting with nature and getting away from obviously your mobile phone and technology and just, I don't know, just your mind's sort of at peace in it, listening to the, the birds or, you know, whatever, whatever's going around. Um, I don't know, it just it helps me to just get my thoughts in check and... Um, just feel a bit at peace for myself. I'm not. Is that how you feel as well? Yeah, I, I just it. Uh, so during lockdown, I spent a lot of time uh, working, like, and I think like everybody else um, who who was able to work at that time, you know, just like digital overload, being on Zoom, I found quite distressing because I don't like looking at my face all the time. <laughs> And, um, you know, I'm a director and I like to be behind the camera and I like to, I, you know, I like to shoot people's stories and like, I, I love people. That's what really helps my recovery as well. It's like meeting people. I, I have the most amazing job. Um, and, um, you know, we've been, we've been working in Scotland, uh, Wales, uh, Warrington. Hey. <laughs> You know, it's, I feel so blessed now. And I just want to say to people that if they're struggling with addiction and mental health, please just have hope. You know, you can heal and it's not impossible. And there's, there is, I mean, I never thought I'd be doing what I am today, making films, having my own um, uh, nonprofit. It's just incredible. I, I've had times in my life, you know, when I have had suicidal depression for months and months, in fact, years. And that was only, that was only about uh, four years ago. And it's about trying to survive and get through those times. Yeah. You, what, what you're doing is, um, you know, brilliant with your sobriety films. Um, I'm sure it's helping a lot of people, you know, to feel like, they're not not on their own um, and obviously raising awareness and obviously I had the pleasure of seeing you at the time to change zoom event um, and obviously I really enjoyed listening to to you all and watching your short film and that's why I reached out for you to, to come on the podcast um, so what is your future plans Maddie for for sobriety films have you, have you got anything specific Oh, we've got lots of plans, believe me. My head is always working. I've always got ideas coming out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm desperate to get on the road and start making another documentary. I want to work in Belfast and Glasgow. Um, and they will be, they'll be based around recovery and, and, and mental health and trauma as well. Yeah. Um, we are trying to get the, U, the first UK recovery film festival off the ground. We were trying to get that um, 
done before lockdown and then it all fall, fell apart yes. so we're really trying to get that online this year as a sort of forum where we can all watch films about about these issues and you know um in, in that way sort of destigmatize raise awareness and say you know we're here we have a voice we're not bad people we've been through hell and we've come out the other side and we are strong because we live with this every day no, that's that's uh, inspiring, you know, and you're putting yourself out there, but you're helping others, um, and it's it's amazing to to see. Um, and we, we need people like you to obviously talk out because I wouldn't know about you know alcoholism and these addictions because I don't you know suffer with it myself. So to listen to someone else, then that that opens my eyes and gives me a little bit of understanding and you know I can be compassionate with someone who maybe because if you if you do see someone as alcoholic you could just think oh what what sort of him like to get yourself together and that that's what people think about a lot of you know mental health illnesses don't you like oh what's up with you not come on cheer up and I've had these said to me myself so you telling your story or me telling my story about OCD it, it opens people's eyes and even if it's just one person, you know, that's fantastic just to change their perception, isn't it? There's terrible stigma around like the junkie, you know, the junkie who chooses that lifestyle because they're lazy and they just want to get high all the time. And that's complete rubbish. You know, people do not choose to become addicted. Um, they do not choose to suffer trauma. They do not choose to have mental illness. The worst thing you can say to someone who's feeling depressed is, cheer up, might never happen. You know, I, yeah. people said that to me and I just want to punch them. Yeah. <laughs> the reason I do what I do is because I, it just feels so right at this point in my life. I, 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 I'm strong enough to express that, I am someone who suffers from mental illness and addiction and you know what, you know, I'm a human being, we're all human beings and we need to be treated with respect and the stigma that's around addiction um, just needs to be blasted. It's, we are all, we're all addicted in some, in some way. It's like a spectrum, I suppose you could say. Um, and we're all also mentally ill in some ways. Um, you know, some of us more so than others. Um, some people have symptoms of, of, you know, mental illness like depression or anxiety or, you know, psychosis or, you know, delusions. And some people go through life thinking there's nothing wrong with them and just like causing havoc and <laughs> treating people really badly. So who's mentally ill, you know? Yeah, it's... Um... So what, who would you, like, what would you say to some, like, someone who maybe knows someone who's suffering? Like, how would that person sort of go about helping someone who's suffering with alcohol or um, depression or, you know, another addiction? How would you help someone, to, like, with that situation? So what I've learned about addiction over these 14 years is that you cannot force somebody to um, go into recovery. It has to come from them. So, you know, even if 
can't do it for their um, for their wives or husbands or children even. Um, it has to come from them. It's a point that you reach that I reached, and we call it the gift of desperation, where you realise I just can't do this anymore. The pain of drinking or drugging is too much. It's more than the reason that I started doing it, and it's destroying my life. You can't force someone to do it. It has to come from them. You can suggest things to them. Um, you know, if anybody is, um, you know, supporting anyone with these issues, I would say Al-Anon and NACOA um, are really brilliant organisations um, to empower you to have the strength to kind of cope with their, with their addiction. And if they see, if somebody sees one of their relatives or loved ones, um, kind of finding finding support for themselves it changes the way they think they're like oh hang on a minute you know she's gone to she, she she's she's getting help for my problem um maybe i need to look at my problem yeah. um you know and you know the mental health crisis in young people at the moment uh, breaks my heart it really does and it's one of our number one um targets we we really want to try and help young people um, you know, when I was 19 and I had that massive breakdown, I never thought I'd get better and I thought I'd be ill for the rest of my life. And I sought um, treatment through the NHS and therapy. So um, if anybody is, is, is worried about their drinking or, or drugging or their mental health, the helplines are there as well. Um, get on the phone, reach out, connect. That's what it's about. It's about asking for help and there will be someone there to help you yeah that's um no that's spot on um and obviously in if we can help the younger people like like you say that will help them in later on in life you know and that can if you get to more of the root cause of the problem that can sort of in 30 years time hopefully you know it'll be much less you know the like addiction rates or whatever, they won't be as high because you help, we're helping people when they're younger, educating them. So I've seen people in recovery who come in when they're sort of in their 50s or 60s and they've lived most of their life using a substance to hold down, um, you know, difficult feelings um, related to maybe childhood trauma. And, and I just feel, I feel so much compassion for them because they have, in a way, it feels like, well, the time, let me talk about myself. The time that I was drinking, I feel was wasted time, even though it was um, medicating severe mental illness. Um, because when you're drinking, you're not really in contact with anybody else. You're stuck in this prison and the most important relationship is is with you and your, um, your addictive substance. And what a tragedy that, um, it's the tragedy that most people I have seen who are older could have come into recovery in their in their twenties or you know even in their teens. I've met some amazing young people who are in recovery uh, from you know mental ill health and addiction. That yeah, I just think they're incredible. They're, they're so brave and courageous, and they they want to grab life and they want to stop because they, they know that they have these issues and. Sorry. <laughs> to, uh... So yeah, 
so addiction and men mental health are chronic illnesses and um, the earlier that you educate and support people and encourage them to get help the better yeah definitely um, I, I agree with that and i think the fil films is a a good way of obviously getting that kind of audience because you know the younger people um maybe not want to don't want to read you know blogs or you know documents and stuff but if it if you're seeing a film that'll you know catch their eye and it's easier to sort of process the information than just reading a a textbook or you know someone's story online if you're watching the film it you know people like watching netflix and prime amazon prime so if you're seeing a film on youtube or wherever it's it's much easier to process isn't it and relate to so I believe that film is the best way to get the message across um, and film is quite easy to produce. Um, it's cheap to make and it has big reach. Um, and the other thing that Sobriety Films UK does is recovery filmmaking workshops. So we, we teach people the skills to make their own films on a smartphone about their own experience um, so that they can use their films to show other people about and but the other thing is that we are also working on a feature you know a feature film a drama um and you know i am i am a documentary maker um but i i really want to do uh, drama and um so yeah it's a hive of activity here there's the, i've had a few a few scripts a few drafts of um scripts for feature films one day one day at a time hopefully we'll get something out there oh, that's that's brilliant and i that, i like i like the idea of the, of the workshops that's really cool um and I, I did like a short film myself the other year and um, well some guys asked me to do it with them um about my ocd story and i, I know from that that you know a lot of people related to me or you know messaged me and said you know, seeing your film, Jay, and I, I know someone who's obviously obviously people. So you're breaking up then. I don't know whether it was breaking up on you. Um, that you know, that's brilliant, Jay. That's what it's all about. It's about if you're in the right place to be able to tell your story on film, and you know, it's a big decision that you have to think carefully about. This is how we, we we show people. This is our experience, and um, this is how we spread the word. Um, I'd love to see your film. I can't hear you. Yeah, we know. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I can. Uh, I'll send you the link over. Um, yeah. Uh, definitely, just give it a watch. See, see what you think. But you know, I think the work you're doing is fantastic. And um, I'll link your uh, page, Twitter, and you got Instagram. Yes, I yeah. just I followed you on Instagram. Yeah, I'll, I'll and I'll put your website on the description um, so that people can find you and obviously look yeah. at the work you're doing. Jay, I'd also like to say that you know if anybody's listening today, um, Sobriety Films would love to work with you and teach you filmmaking skills to make your own film. And we offer those free to people in recovery or people wanting uh, wanting recovery. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, I really appreciate you 
coming on today and share, sharing your your story and tell us about the future plans. Uh, for that. Jay, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. And um, you know, I think what you're doing is amazing. So keep up the good work. And um, yeah. Thank you. <laughs>